Primo production, she put on for a shot. In this big city, I want them to mention me. <laughs> Talk your shit, Bree. Okay, you guys, we are back, and we are here to talk about the donut theory. So just a little background, because I know a lot of people don't follow me on Facebook. Um, Was that Saturday? Yeah, this was Saturday. So Saturday, I posted, I posted something on, on Facebook that uh, shook the nation. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me let me uh bring up the post right quick so I can read it verbatim. Okay, so backstory. I had a photo shoot in South Dallas, well East Dallas, on Saturday, 9 a.m. So before I pulled up to this uh this photo shoot, I had time to go get some something to eat. And when you need something big that can feed a whole bunch of people, you either pick up some chicken or you pick up donuts. Like and it's, it's morning time, so yeah. I picked up some donuts. So mind you, this is the my childhood donut shop. Um, this is the donut shop that we went to when I was smaller. So it wasn't, you know, out my way. It was like, okay, let me go. I know it's there. Mm-hmm. So I walk in there. And I ordered my food, and it didn't register me, like, what was going on. Like, I wasn't bothering nothing. I was just like, okay, just order your food. It is what it is. I think the thing that, like, shook me was the fact that when I gave her my credit card, my hand got stuck in the bars. Uh, and I was like, okay, so why the fuck is these bars even here? Like, what the fuck is going on? You know, I felt some type of way. Mm-hmm. So I'm, Cause I always wear uh, watches and bracelets and stuff, so I'm like trying to get my arm out the bar, and I'm like, "Bruh, really? Y'all really got bars in this donut shop?" And that's when it registered in my head, like, "Damn, they really got bars in this donut shop." So I took a picture of it. So at the uh, it's, it wasn't a uh, photo shoot; it was a video shoot. It was for a music video. So while everybody, after I get done with my work. And everybody is styled and everybody is working and the cameraman is working. I posted this. And um, can you go get Michael? He's at the door. Yeah. I posted this. I said, this is probably going to get, this is probably going to go over a lot of you heads. While in South Dallas at So Bazaar, I stopped by the Donuts for You. I was disturbed as fuck to see they damn near got the whole store gated. If you so scared and can't trust your customers, why are you in business in South Dallas? I get it. I want everybody to pay attention to this sentence. I get it. It goes both ways. I don't like it, though. This is not cool. It's disrespectful for someone who to, for someone to hand you donuts through bars. Look like I need to invest in a donut shop in South Dallas. All you dope boys need to put the fast money back in the community. Y'all got it. Clean your money by investing in legitimate businesses. Y'all hustling backwards. That was my post. And that was the post 
that got everybody going crazy, which I totally understand because now that I look at it, I not only called out the donut shop, but I called out the dope boys in the in the community. <laughs> and of course you're gonna call out people that uh that don't agree with you. Now, my standpoint on this is, and I guess because I haven't been in South Dallas for a long time, I guess because you know, when I do go to South Dallas, I'm in and out. I pick up I pick up my child, I drop off my child, I park my car at the Martin Luther King station. Um, I go to the Wild Greens, I go to Henderson's, I go to the the place three doors down from Henderson's. Like I'm not, I don't live in South Dallas, but I'm always in South Dallas consistently, right? So I didn't know that this donut shop had bars up. I didn't know. People was like, Bree, it's been up for years. And to be honest, I haven't been at this donut shop since probably in 10 years, since Lincoln High School. So I felt some type of way as a consumer, as a black business owner. Forget the black part. As a business owner, I felt some type of way because I know how people are so like sensitive. Like if I say, if I raise my prices when it comes to the closet sales, if I desire, if I decide to do um, a certain move, there's going to be a lot of bashing on social media. And for this company to be in our neighborhood and serving us through bars, they got me feeling some type of way. I don't want my food to be served through bars. It's just, it just don't feel right. It just feels, and I guess because like I'm a different situation. Like I, I think differently. I move differently. You know, I don't look at things like how everybody else look at things. You know, I just like, it just got me feeling some type of way. So I posted a picture and people was like, well, they get robbed a lot. Or some um, somebody said that the last time they was there, they actually seen the owner of the donut shop uh, get his his head bashed in. So I understand that. And I posted that in my original post. I said, I get that. But still, if you scared, why are you still here? So I got Michael Styles with us and I got Chastity with us. Y'all are familiar with Chastity. This is Michael Styles' first time on the podcast. So I'm inviting people out, you know, that don't agree with me because I don't mind being challenged. I don't mind having these conversations and somebody say, you know what, Bree, I don't, it don't bother me none. I'm not, I don't get easily offended because I feel like at the end of the day, this is a conversation that needs to be had, peer upon blank. And y'all may think of it like, oh, she looking for clout. Um, she's just trying to get something started. Why would I like specifically choose this one donut shop? <laughs> like, no, it's just a conversation that needs to be had. Why are we being served the bars? So I'm gonna go with Michael first. Michael, what what is your stance on this donut theory? How do you so, feel about this donut so theory? So first thing that came across my mind while you were talking. Uh, I'm going to make a reference back to barbershop when they were tearing up the neighborhood in the barbershop. 
Remember the show Barbershop? Yeah. Uh, the movie Barbershop, mm-hmm. when they got ready to turn the neighborhood down, and they came to the one foreign guy that was in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Craig saved the barbershop. But the guy made a statement. I don't know if we I don't know if we ever I don't know if we ever pay attention to these statements that are made when we see the the chaos and the mayhem break out in the movies mm-hmm. and now we begin to ride in our own neighborhoods and we destroy stores that have been there for, uh, for the longest for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're owned by foreigners. We're mad at someone else, but we're gonna take it out on them because they don't look like us. Mm-hmm. But some of these people have been through the same struggles as us. Matter of fact, when they first started, they started from Dirt bottle. Mm-hmm. Established these businesses. Been there for you say he's been there since he was a kid, right? I don't know if it was the same owners, but okay, so the, there, right? the background of, with this whole because I did my research because I'm like, I'm not gonna go live, I'm not gonna speak on it if I okay. So the donut shop was opened in 1998. It okay. has had um numerous owners. Got so it. the owners have been like transitioned throughout the years, okay. and the donut shop. This is public knowledge. If you go Google it, the donut shop make over a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Okay. So why leave? First, I'm gonna say this. Uh, in many cases, like I was saying, as far as making a reference to the movies, the thing you always hear them say is, "This is my country too. This is my business. This is my neighborhood." Mm-hmm. Uh, because the way. We talked about this yesterday, the way media plays out is certain scenarios. We take on a certain look at people and we say, you know what, you just like what we see on TV. And they it's the same way with them. They see us through the it's eyes of media. Been. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But in cases like what she was talking about now, uh, do I do I particularly agree with the bars being up? No, nah, because I've been behind bars. I hate getting my meals through bars. So <laughs> I don't agree with that. You know but but at the same time, there's an understanding that when bars are instituted, there's a mindset that has been put in place. And that mindset is what is the condition of the people that are in their neighborhood? What are they doing? Why? What what caused it? Now you said that it was reported that the owner had his head bashed in. Well, my question, my big question would be, were the bars there or before or were they there before or after these incidents start taking place? Now, if they were set up there before and then new owners came in as a new owner, I may have taken them down or unless the last owner told me what the situation was, I may have kept them up for protection. But it's crazy to serve of people because not only only is it the people on the outside that are are now seen through the bars, but also the people that have to serve through the bars. Why do I even have to come? And, and you're right. If you don't like it, why stay in the neighborhood? Maybe they just, I don't know, maybe they do like the neighborhood. Maybe they don't want to give up on the neighborhood, but I'm going to take precautions to keep me safe. Right. But when you're on the other side, you're caged in too because your mindset has been caged in because now people who you have tried to treat nice and maybe treat good, I don't know, I don't know what may have caused him to get his head bashed in, but I'm just going to give them. Um, give him benefit of doubt that maybe he was trying to be nice to the neighborhood. <clears throat> and if I'm doing everything I can, and then this is how I'm treated, but this is also what's feeding my family. This is what's, and, and let's be for real, with many, many foreigners in those cases that they come to these, uh, what we call, what I, what I call turnkey setups, because that's what it is. If it's had so many different owners, it's a turnkey. It's a turnkey shop. 
where you can come in and make money, get what you need to go where you need to go, and you can just sell it to the next person. And that's all that business is. But with turnkeys like that, the purpose is to come in, make money, and take care of family. You trying to get over here or family that's already here. So it's a lot invested in that. I may not like it, but guess what? I got to come here every day. I, I cut hair. I may not like cutting hair every day, but I, I got to come there because I got to take care of my family because if I'm the main source of income, I got to do what I got to do. I got to suck it up. I got to get up in the morning. I got to grind and I got to show up there. But man, I'm telling you, it's got to be somewhere. Some it's, it's got to be something somewhere down the line where we say enough is enough. But Enough is enough with us. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Because you don't, cages are not created for civil behavior. Just like the last episode, we talked about uh, crabs in the bucket. Crabs are not supposed to be in the bucket. It's the same. It's the same outlook. It's the same thing. I feel like. I saw it. I saw it. And I understand where everybody is coming from when it comes to um, the owner's standpoint the owner's standpoint of this. Like, this is my business. This is how we make money. And if this is a sacrifice that I have to make and this is winning, I'm going to protect myself while winning. I called out not only the owners of the donut shop, but also our community as well. And that's that's why I wanted to And I think, I think a lot of people, like I said in the initial sentence, the first sentence, this is going to go over a lot of people's heads. I did not only just call at that donut shop. I called out the movers and shakers in the neighborhood. Who are the movers and shakers in the neighborhood? Who are who are our kids easily influenced by? But it's not it's not the same type anymore. I ca- okay, so my history is I'm a former gangster disciple. All right. The the era I came up in, and we talked a little bit about this, the era I came up in where you had movers and shakers, they were not selfish. The reason that these things had got originally established in our neighborhoods, and it may have been a misguided uh, purpose that it was established, but it was to take care of the whole neighborhood and to build a financial infrastructure the best way we could. Okay. But it has changed. Who are the movers and shakers in our neighborhood? Oh, yeah, it's the dope boys. All right. But it's, it's also one other... What on the crowd? What? That I call out constantly. Because, you know, I'm I'm over there every Saturday morning in South Dallas, right there in the heart of it on Cleveland Street. The church. Specifically, and and, and take it how you want to, y'all. Uh, I, it is what it is. But specifically, uh, the black church. Because this is your neighborhood. Now, we have one church that's still there, and that's Cornerstone. They have uh, showers, apartments set up for the homeless and everything. But the thing that, that gets me so much is we're quick to sit up here and tell people to come to church, but we don't want to go into the community. See, it used to be at one time, not only was the D-Boys, the movers and shakers, but also the church was the main mover and shaker in the neighborhoods. The barbershops was the movers and shakers in the neighborhood. If you wanted to know anything that was going on, you could go to the barbershop and find out. You could find out the news. That was the support system. Somewhere down the line, we lost that support system. And I take it to be the personal greed of those who call themselves servants. You became greedy and you just started siphoning money out instead of putting it back in. Mm. Preach. So, I'm, I'm <laughs> so you know, because I, I take a different stance on things. 
I take a different stance on things because when first, uh, just to give you some background, when I first came into this, as far as uh, knowing that I had a specific call on my life, uh, I was locked up. I was locked up right there on Cofield unit. And then I got from Cofield unit, I got shipped to Estelle unit. So in it, so so let me just touch bases for those out there who uh, are from the streets that's watching this. I've been there too. I'm not just a cat. I know some of y'all follow me. They y'all see I'm doing fashion, doing hair. Now that's just not all I am. I am the very person that you may be right now. This is who this is. I still am. And when I say I am, those essential things that made me up and brought me to this point are still part of me. I know how to hustle. I know how to grind. I know how to hold minds down. I just choose to do it a different way. But my main thing, as far as me being a preacher or someone uh, who is called to this, and I'm for real about it, I get out there in the streets. You can find me Saturday mornings from possibly probably about from 8 to about 11 o'clock. I'm cutting home. I'm cutting hair for the homeless. And the people in that particular neighborhood, a neighborhood that not only did we say the police forgot about, because it's prostitution, dope dealing and everything on those corners, and they don't do nothing about it. They're not going to stop none of the people from picking none of these prostitutes up, none of them from getting drugs, none of that. But you have a whole church that is made up specifically, uh, uh, specifically of Caucasians who have come into that neighborhood for the last two years and who have made a bigger difference than the black churches that are surrounded. Ooh, hello. But they come, and not, not for selfish reasons, they come because they really believe in what they're doing. They believe in getting outside the walls. And I got so comfortable in the walls, y'all don't forgot about the neighborhoods, and now y'all hurting it. You say, for, for all the preachers who are in those areas where it's in privacy, you say you were called there for the people. If you were really called for the people, then get out in the neighborhoods, do the work. See, when when dad got lost, everything else, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, that was one of our, our main staples or one of the main pillars in the black community at one time. And when that power left, for those men started turning to agree that everybody wanted to be a pastor, everybody wanted to be a prophet, everybody, you just walk in and say you this because you got a gift of gab. Mm -hmm. And now it took something away from that. It took something away from us. I mean... <clears throat> True enough, you have uh, the slave Bible, which only had 223 chapters in it that all promoted obedience to the slave master and whatsoever. And, you know, I know about that. I know about the many sermons that we that are still being preached today that are over 150, 200, 200-something years old. Same, some of the same sermons that was preached on the plantation. But you have you have a group of us out here now. We want We want our neighborhoods back. We want our kids to be safe. And it's not enough to sit up here and just, man, <laughs> listen, man, <laughs> listen. I hear y'all. It's not enough <laughs> to stay inside the walls. Right. And, and, and speaking, now, now I said this part, All so I'm bars. done with that. <laughs> All the bars. <laughs> real talk, real talk. Because now what it, what is established in our neighborhoods is, you know what? They could take the bars down now if they wanted to. They've been up there for probably I don't know how long. There's really no need for the bars because the bars are ingrained in the minds of those people who come in. Mm. 
But and that, that's the other thing I wanted to I, I, I in our conversation yesterday, it just kind of sparked this thing. Uh, not only are we not only do we have to worry about the boys that are there physically, but we need to worry about the boys that have been established within our minds on a communal a communal side of things. Because we feel as though I can only go so far. I have to act like this because this is all I see. See those same dope boys you caught now? They represent boys too. Because they don't know how they don't know how much power they have. They don't know how much further they can go. But they also represent the boys for the young men and young women who are in the neighborhood because guess what? That's how they grow up and see. I'm talking about and the reason I'm so adamant about that part because uh, you have a neighborhood, the neighborhood I go to right there in Cle- it's off of Cleveland, Al Lipscomb, uh, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. That original neighborhood was where all the dope came up out of South Dallas. Park Row. Is it Park Row? It's, it's over there by Park Row. Uh, let me see. Um, you got Lamar. Al Lipscomb. Al Lipscomb used to be Park Row. Was it Grand? Now Grand. Used to be, was it, or was it Pine? I can't remember what Al Lipscomb used to be. It's been so long. <laughs> but um, right there on uh, 175. Mm-hmm. When you, once you cross over uh, 175 and you go, it turns into Martin Luther King right before it turns into City Crest. Okay. That neighborhood right there. Used to, it used to have like six liquor stores. Now it only has one. The barbershop that was there, it really wasn't a barbershop. There was a dope spot. It didn't close down. Uh, they're about to get ready to start doing gentrification over there. But that church is trying to buy up the land so they can start building houses that the people can start to inhabit over there. Right. They're trying to, and it's crazy because <coughs> it's so crazy because I like working with them because you know that you know what they own. <laughs> they own some Nipsey Hustle type stuff at this at this ministry. They trying to empower the people. They trying to help the people get their credit scores up. They trying to build programs and teach men how to be men. They trying to sit up here and set up where they have a building that has, they'll have a community garden. That community garden, all the vegetables will be put into uh, this building, which would they have a grocery store there. If you can't afford to buy the groceries, they gonna give you the groceries anyway. And it's all about bringing life back to that community. And you also and have we and, also and, have to sorry to cut you off, but we also have to ahead. shut out um Bunton and the Bunton Farmers Market. They they also garden fresh fruits that people can go and uh get fresh fruits in South Dallas. Man, that's what's up. And that's the Bunton Farmers Market. You got the the original um theater that was um that's on Martin Luther King in Park Row. They about to reestablish that. Yeah, it was, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was Erica's Baidu's uh, property, but now a nonprofit organization is about to take over that. You also got to shout out the uh, Muslim community as well because they do a lot in South Dallas. They do, and they doing big. They doing big stuff. They um, doing big stuff. And if you ever, if you ever visit um, a mosque, um, every time service is over with, they actually have hot lunches for the community. And um, I didn't know this until I actually went to Chicago um, at the time. And uh, after the mosque, we was all served a lunch. And I was like, oh, this is dope. And I was like, they was like, we do this for the community after every service. 
And I was like, oh, so then I hollered at my friend here in Dallas and I was telling her about my experience in Chicago. And she was like, we do the same thing. And I was like, oh, that's dope. So the Muslim com community in South Dallas do a lot. I remember when they had a situation um, a few years back with the little um, the convenience store, Little World. Yeah, he did yeah, something yeah. with something, something happened. And the entire <laughs> Muslim com community came out and let him know, like, listen, that, that's not cool. You can't do this. We don't shop here anymore. Don't do this. So But okay, so here's here's the thing though. This is something that, that and I I seen something that was on there just then, talking about how um things will become muffled. Meaning that things will become quiet. You can you can make noise, you can talk about it, and this is something I've seen so much of. And I'm I'm I, I just wanna ask you. Because we're talking about the donut situation, but we're talking about the also it represents uh, the cages that we have on our own mindset, the cages that we have within our own mind. community. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, and this is what I see. Uh, why is it that we can rah rah at one moment, and then all it takes is some ratchet drama? <laughs> to come out, or Cardi B done said this, or and, and, and I'm, I mean, I'm saying it like this Cardi B done said this, Nicki Minaj said this, uh, this take that went down, uh, man, folks that don't even listen to, to this stuff, all of a sudden the whole world that got caught up in it when you got a serious situation that's taking place, right around the corner. I mean, we got we got we got lynchings going on still today, and it's like. We had attention to that, then all of a sudden we just forget about it. I mean, they they slowly released this. This tickled me how they did this. Sandra Bland is gone. The officer has not been charged. Matter of fact, the officer was clear of the charges at first. Now y'all released the, the tape out of what was on. What was the? Her family got paid. Now we now you release it, but this could have been pivotal in getting justice for her the right way. And, and putting laws into effect that would have released people. I think I think everything is so temporary when it comes to the rah-rah um, because people don't, like I always say this, we don't know history. We don't know our history. Number two, we don't know ourselves individually. And number three, there's a lack of knowledge. Like it, it, it is beyond the school system. We got to teach our kids. We got to teach ourselves outside of the classroom. It's a lot of things that I know about myself and my people now that when I do go into a donut shop like that, I get offended because right. I know my history. I know where we come from. And like you, like I said before, I've spent a night in jail. The last time I got served through bars, I was getting served juice and crackers. <laughs> I don't want that shit in the free world, especially if I'm giving you my money. Because I know myself, because I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of my community, I look at things differently. It's not to like, my intentions are not to bash anybody, especially my own people, but to let y'all know our minds are so crazy that we can actually get served through bars and eat these donuts like it ain't shit. That's the thing. That's my only point. I can give two fucks about anything else. I, I don't I don't 
like the ghetto drama. I don't like the insulting and the bitches and hoes that I am now being called. I don't look forward to that. The 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 thing that we need to focus on is the message. It's the awareness. Like, come on, y'all, y'all, and then y'all. First of all, this is a place that you reside. This is your donut shop, right? Right? But you can you can go to Plano and you can see how all these other people living and you don't see no bars up or anything like that, right? And people say, well... I ain't never seen bars on a Krispy Kreme. Oh, fuck no. You're not. Not the artist. People, the, the, the argument the is... The <laughs> argument is, well... The argument is, well, the crime rate is different in the hood than it is in these areas but i gotta shout out my sponsors we're gonna come right back and we're gonna talk about the difference between neighborhoods and how things are condoned so we'll be right back uh, we are back we are um when we came when we left we was talking about the difference of the neighborhoods um chesty you over here hate to put you on the spot but how you feel about <laughs> what's going on how you feel about the donut theory? Man, with this donut shop, what I can say um, to the listeners, um, I'm 24. That's one. So generational-wise, between talking with Bree and Michael, it's a bit different. I'm from Houston. Um, I grew up in the southwest part of Houston. And I told Bree how I've seen burglar bars at McDonald's. And it's particularly... McDonald's that have these burglar bars in the southwest side of Houston. It's mm. areas that are very predominant with black people and it is a, also a lot of crime in these specific areas. Um, so the McDonald's do what they got to do best which is put the burglar bars up when it's time to serve these people their french fries and chicken nuggets. Um, but the opinion of a black person going into these establishments in the free world, seeing a burglar bar as you're paying your money, something you've earned to get something that you desire, I could definitely see how that's offensive. But however, on the opposite side of a business owner, no matter what race you are, you know, you're just out here trying your best to be protected. Um, I can also see your stance too. Nobody wants to get robbed. Nobody wants to suffer from doing their job of getting stabbed to death, punched. All of that is unnecessary. So my view on this whole situation is definitely the um, self-awareness and the accountability of the neighborhoods. Like, I feel like it's so many different ways in different communities within your own black community that can help you understand that what you're doing is wrong and you're so better than that, but yet you choose to perform this stagnant behavior and mimic something that you know you're not. Like violence towards somebody is never, never cool, especially over some damn donuts. Like what, what all could have happened? Even let's say... If the somebody on the staff on the donut shop called you a nigga or some shit, like how does that transform into you getting angry, pulling a gun out and shooting them or stabbing them, bashing a person upside the head? Like what all is that going to do? That ain't solve shit in your community, but make you another 
person to go right into the pen and then somebody else looking at their behavior and going out thinking that's okay to do, which is the youth of these communities. So I feel like my biggest concern with this donut theory is the accountability of Black people or just people in these areas as a whole. Like, I just feel like we can all do better, but putting burglar bars around nothing, it really don't solve anything. And there are other ways of protecting yourself. But at the same time, like Michael said, Ambry said, like, you also have burglar bars within your own means in the mind because you still enslaved to doing some bullshit. Like, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think there's number one, the, the problem is there's a, there's a disconnect between um, the business owners in our communities yes. and the people that reside in those communities. There's a disconnect because if your only thing, if your only perspective is to get money, if your only perspective on black people is through the media, but yet you are doing business in the that neighborhood, you not taking out the time to really get to know these people because even though you probably have been robbed, you're not getting robbed on a consistent mm-hmm. basis because you're still making over $120,000 at that donut shop. That means you probably get robbed probably twice a year. So all the good people that's coming in, you're not <laughs> shaking hands and kissing babies. Right. You're right. not doing that. And then when it comes to accountability, accountability, when it comes to our community, yes, we do need to be held responsible. We do need to get in these communities. And right now, it's all about inspiration. It's all about motivating our people to see beyond our neighborhood. You have to experience life beyond our neighborhood because then you'll go back. Like I went back and was like, now this ain't right. We're going to have to switch this up or I'm not coming back. But look what you just said. Won't you do a key thing there? You said life beyond the neighborhood. But we're talking about some people that may have never gotten out there. Exactly. So how do you bring awareness to that? You bring awareness by mentorship. Churches need to step it up. Even the dope boys. Even the even the influential people, unfortunately, the dope boys. Um, and I hate this because I feel like there's, there's so many ways to make legitimate money. To me, selling dope is like whack. That's like the thing of the past because I don't see people making $2,500 just to spend money in the club, just to post up with bottles to post post exactly. on social media. It's the lack of knowledge that we don't have. Yes. That's the thing. It's the lack of knowledge. We don't know ourselves. We don't know the outside world. We don't see how other communities are able to withstand <clears throat> and withhold without bars being up. That's the thing. Here, and since you brought up talking about the lack of knowledge, Here's the crazy thing about it, um, and I'm, I'm going to put this out here. The original uh, museum in history, as far as those historians who gave us history on Africa, they were not black. They were white. The narrative has always been, and, and I mean, hey, whoever watched this, this is cool, you know, because I know I got, I'm sharing it as a watch party, but I'm, I'm just got to say it for what it is. 
the narrative that was given us even about Africa has never been correct. The narrative that was given us even about the slave trade has never been correct. Because if you want, if you just really want to get down on it, and here's some uh, information some of y'all may want to go look up. There's an interesting picture, two interesting pictures I've always found. I show people when I make this argument. Look up the last Aztec couple and see what they look like. Not only look up them, look up a picture of the original California Indians. So crazy. We said we have we have told the word that California was Spanish. California is not Spanish. The word California, the very first part of it is Khalifa. Khalifa means queen. There was a queen who came from India, from not India, excuse me, from Kenya. And she landed on those shores with her people. And they established a civilization there. Tell me what kind of hair you see right there. Let Bree see that picture real that's quick. Serious. I ain't never showed her that picture. <laughs> oh, wow. That's me all day. <laughs> <laughs> this is an Aztec. No, I understand my Spanish brothers and sisters, my Hispanic brothers and sisters, my Latin people. I understand you think that your people look like Native Americans that you see on TV. You have given this... Uh, uh, this idea that it was them, but I, I'm sorry to tell y'all this. When you go to Mexico and you go to Mandinga, Mandinga was not established by an African slave. It was already established before the Spaniards came there. This is why when you see people like Emilio Zapata and stuff, you see Afros. This is why when you go into the jungles, you find the Olamec Godheads that are five tons, and you see them with afros and wide noses and thick lips. And you can see the braids etched into the stone because they had, they were us. Oh, the we nose see is a this. shot off. We see this. <laughs> we see this. Now, I, 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 know see the, this. I know the Napoleon thing this, where they said he shot the noses off. But actually, the noses have been removed even before Napoleon got there. Actually, Alexander the Great had something to do with that. Mm. But, Michael, this information is not in our textbooks at school. But, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. This is what's so crazy about it. The information is there. We just ain't never paid attention to the pictures. The information you just spoke is not in textbooks, Michael. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Watch this, watch this. So, let me, let me show you this. When I was in school, this information was there. Okay. Now, this is what happens. A gen all it takes is 10 years mm -hmm. to change the mindset of the world. Bree, I promise you, if you put it down on paper and you put it in a book that Bree Moore was a multi-billionaire by the time she turned 26 and this information was in there for 10 years, do you know history will record you as that? Even though you may have never been that. If they put in there that Brie Moore was white and they lighten your picture up and they change the texture of her on the picture and they put it in the books for 10 years and you were still around, I promise you, you wouldn't even know yourself at the end of the day. This is what information does. Now they have said you were unpaid interns that were brought to the United States. This is in Texas history books right now. Yeah. There's not a slave mentioned in there. Immigrants. They so call guess them what? immigrants. So guess what? The next generation that comes in, if she doesn't educate King of Johnny Wright, 
then he gets educated through there, he'll never know. This next generation right now, they do not know unless we educate them. And that's something that we stop doing. And that's something that we need to do. That's what I'm saying. That's I'm, I'm one of the solutions. On I'm with you on that. Because the I'm not going to sit here. Where my elders at, though? Right, exactly. I'm not going to sit here and just talk hot shit. And just talk hot shit. I've, I have expressed myself long enough to let people know, listen, after Michael Brown got shot down like that, and his body was on that, on that uh, ground like that for four hours, his family couldn't touch him. His uncle couldn't touch him. Even his own mama couldn't touch him. He was just laying there cold. That changed my perspective. That changed my life. I don't want to protest and bro- boycott right now. Right now, what I want to do, the shit that I'm on, is to own. It's to have my own media company. It's to pr- uh, produce my own fashion shows, produce my own Black Wall Street. That's pretty much what the closet sales are. I just don't express that because I don't got time for niggas to come burn my shit down, right? <laughs> so, and we create our own content. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to black uh, fashion designers and black models and black this and black that. We are coming together. We're putting you on this platform for a reason. It's all about building and owning. I don't have to boycott and protest no more. Why? Because I'm doing that shit on a consistent basis when I come in this office. Anytime you put anytime you put the culture in front of everybody and you bring attention to it, you're saying you can't deny me. I'm here. That's why you already know you already know the project I'm working on for 2020. And I'm trying to. I, I, I want. I'm. I'm trying to do it in such a way where it can't be denied. You have denied us so long uh, of who we are. We have denied ourselves of who we are. I, I was going to say we have denied ourselves. So now it's time. If, if you don't. If 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 that. Here's my thing. Um, I don't consider myself to be an elder, but I probably am age wise. I still think I'm young. I still think I can run around with the wee boys and Sharon Yeeks and all okay. them. But you know, <laughs> but my thing is, uh, at the end of the day, I'm an elder. But I'm an elder that's in my community that don't mind speaking up. Man, I I, I want to sit up here and, and pass on the knowledge. I, I love doing it. Anytime I get a chance to, and it's so crazy because I work. I work in a place where it's a lot of Europeans, uh, a lot of Caucasians. They come and we sit and we talk and we hash things out. I got a Dallas police officer that's one of my uh, clients, a young guy, grew up in Garland in the hood, played football at a black high school. All he know is the hood. Mm-hmm. But his whole, we sit down and we hash things out. We talk about everything and we sit up here and talk about the issues. I love that because. It gives me that different spin. So when I do come in and begin to educate you, I can educate you on the right things. And you're relatable. But we have a we have a caller. Hello, caller. Hello, hey Bree. Hey, how are you? I am okay. This is Chastity. Hey, Chastity. Hey, Chastity. Hey, you know, you know, listen. I was calling to speak on what you said about not actively protesting. Okay. You like you said, you're not out there on the streets. You protesting through what you do. For a long time, I wrote for my school newspaper, and when things would come up, 
about us that were important to me, that would shoot me down, that would put me in the background, that would say, oh, Chastity, you're too loud. All my life I've been told I'm too loud and too expressive. I've never backed down off of that. Turns out, I had, it took me a while to figure out that in their space, and when I say them, I mean people that are not like us, that do not look like us, that do not stand for what we stand for, who not who don't move like we move, who don't who don't who don't see this world like we see this world and don't experience the things that we experience as black people and black women in this world. I was told Chelsea is loud, oh no, we can't do that because this is more important. When Jordan Elwes got killed, I was told I could not write that story. So I had to go on my own to write a story because I had to create my own platform because people weren't giving me one, although I was supposed to have one. I was a writer for the Richmond Chronicle, award winning every time I write. But when it came to black issues, they didn't want me to write. They wanted to silence me. They wanted to change my word. And when I call a spade a spade, they wanted to change my word. And when I call a racist a racist, they wanted to change my word. They wanted to talk about how it's always been done a certain way. So to combat that, I'm not able to be out in the front all the time protesting because I have my two babies. So I do that by teaching them, by letting them be black in their blackness, by showing them that you can build your own things. You don't have to conform to what those people told you you were. You don't have to straighten your hair. You have to teach yourself. You have to learn. I'm going to teach you. It's okay to be proud and walk in your blackness. It's okay to say, you know what? I want to deal with this type of person because they look like me. They make me feel comfortable here. It's okay to create a space for people who are like you. Because nobody else is going to create this space for us. And I think that's important. I like the fact, Brie, that you go in your office every day, whether people are there or not. You go because what you're doing is saying, I'm going to put us first because y'all not going to put us first. I'm going to make a place for us. And that's important for us because we don't have the representation is important. That's why I went to start my own platform so that whenever we're ready to express ourselves, there's nobody censoring us saying, no, you can't say that. Or watching over our shoulders saying, no, we'll burn you down if you get too out of hand. Or you've mm-hmm. gotten too big for your britches. We've always been bigger than this. We've always been larger than life. It doesn't make sense for us to have to censor ourselves for people. Right. Exactly. That brought hey. me to tears. Um, so how do you feel about the, the donut post? I live in the Rosemont, right by the donut shop. Every morning when I was taking my baby to school in North Dallas, because she needs something where she has um, more opportunity because people aren't, they have all the schools around her closed down mostly and thinking about closing them down. She wants to go to the donut shop. She likes two pigs in a blanket and a chocolate milk. We walked <laughs> in the donut shop one time and there were bars everywhere. My baby was like, mama, what's wrong? Baby, there's nothing wrong. We are in the wrong place. We literally had to get back on the bus and go back to downtown Dallas and go to downtown Dallas to get service where people don't have us behind bars or where they're not looking at us crazy or where they speak the same language to us. The other day, um, I was at the bus stop down there in the same parking lot. Usually you look around, it's Hustle Central down there. People yes, are making their way over here. They are always making their way over here. We are always making our way over here. From Rochester Park all the way up here to the shopping center to around her on the block on Malcolm X, they're going to make their way around her. Across the street from Lincoln all the way around, we make our way around her. I look up, I see some people I've never seen before. Some faces and colors I've never seen before. And people say, oh, just system oppress people that, that are different than me. That's not racism. I do have a prejudice, so I'm, I'm very partial to us. So when I looked up and saw something that was not us selling barbecue in a lot where it's usually dominated by people that look like me, who sound like me, who relate like me, it bothered me. Because when they pulled up to set up their shop, they had to find somewhere else to go. It was an invasion. It felt like it made me mad. It upset me. It was an invasion. And that donut shop bothers me because it doesn't have any, it, it doesn't, it, it's not here to serve us. It's just here to make money. They know that they're the closest and that they're convenient, but they also know that they can treat us the way that they treat us and keep doing it because there's nowhere else to go. 
Preach. There's nothing to be said about it. All right. I don't have a problem with it. No, I, I, I like everything you said, Chastity, because you brought some great points. And now, but my challenge, my challenge to, to those who are listening is, and she made a point, we have nowhere else to go. They or don't have nowhere or, else or, to or, go. Or, or, hold on, let me say. I'm speaking from, because see, at the end of the day, when I when you hear me say we, even when I talk about church leaders who done dropped the ball, I apologize for all of them, even though I may not have dropped the ball in that particular area. Right. Because we're going to be looked at as a whole. If one part, just like the Bible, the Bible says, if one part of the body is hurting, then the whole, the whole body is hurting. So that means if they're hurting in that situation, they have no place to go. And guess what? I have no place to go. Because now, just like she said, you created a platform. We have to know how to create platforms. We have to be able to create these platforms. So now my challenge is to that neighborhood. If you don't like that donut shop, somebody over there who knows how to make donuts need to start making them at the house and serving the neighborhood. We used to have candy ladies that were in the neighborhood, and this is what they did. We didn't have you to know, go I to these that, places. I'm sorry. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. I, and I try my best to do those kinds of things because I'm not where I need to be to open my own coffee shop over here, but it bugs me to go have to go to Starbucks to get in my money, and they look like I'm not supposed to be there. I like whiskey in my coffee. I like to cook breakfast from scratch for my friends and my family. For people who know me, if I put a post on Facebook, that's not because, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just guessing. People know. I like to cook for us because if you're going to go somewhere else and spend your $35, you might as well come knock on my door and get coffee and let me throw this at you real fast. Because one thing I do, if I hear greatness in somebody, I believe and I always speak into the greatness that's in you. So here's the thing. Uh, you made a statement that you're not in the place. But why don't you pool your resources now? I know this is going to sound crazy to you. You may not even think about this. But there are such things called franchises. Look, you may not. And, 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 and this is the beautiful thing about a franchise that I think we forget. You can pool your resources together as a neighborhood. You might not. You may not have $10,000. But who is to say that people mm -hmm. on your block don't have that same $10,000? together as a collective because this is how they do their business yes it is this group is how they do economics. their business it's called group economics and it just economics. grows we are some of the biggest contributors to the economy so I know we have it collectively you got it so here, here's the thing man my, my boy told me they won't leave because they know we got it so so here's the thing and and, and I I dropped it I had not okay, said Chastity, anything about I'm gonna uh, hang up right now I hadn't okay, said I'm anything to anybody alright I hadn't said anything about it, but we know everybody knows what Pan African uh, connection is, right there on Marseilles. Well, my boy, um, my boy, he, uh, my brother, he sells. Um, he he has a business that's over there. He's always there every Saturday. We had a chance to talk, and uh, in in talking, he says to me, he say, "Bro, he say, if you'll come speak, I'll pay for you to use." the area over there because you have what we need so I, i've been planning on doing it uh if you see something i posted i always say i have posted i've started hashtagging notes from the king i've had uh the the viral post on the uh, the youtube channel i started where we talk about let's eat 
my whole purpose is to uplift and to motivate us as black people, but also to fuel the right information in there because we need to know how to live healthy. We need to know, and health is not just, uh, it needs to be a level of spiritual health, economic health. It needs to be a, a level of uh, physical health that is taken into account. So Chakras and balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, and the thing is, is that we have become, I mean, I, I face it on all fronts because we have become so poisoned to ourselves. I mean, at the end of the day, man, and like I say, you know, some people, they might get mad at me when I say this, but I'm, I'm tired of, uh, especially on the spiritual side, because that's what I deal with more uh, as far as our spirituality. Uh, I don't deal, I don't like religion. I don't, I don't like religion. I don't, I, and, and so let me say this. I, I don't teach people how to have a, a Christian religion. I teach you how to have a relationship with God. And within that also balances the level of now, uh, if, 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 as we teach that Jesus died on the cross for you and he's now sitting in the kingdom, then why are you still walking around here like poor people? Because when we read the description of him, he is us. So if it is us that he he physically came and bided as one of us, then do you not understand that there is a level of uh, uh, royalty that you carry that's deeper than anybody on the face of this earth? There, because I mean, come on, man! It seems as though and and, and it's, it's so. You hear you you hear, and. and this is a statement. Uh, I know I know a pastor who told me that a white pastor came to him and said, show us how to do church and we'll show you how to do ministry. Because there's something that there's a level of closeness that we can get to God that can't nobody else get to. But because of this mindset that has been put there. Can I say something about that? Before I ask this one last question. So, if you watch the Nat Turner movie, you mm-hmm. notice that the preachers on the plantation was always a black slave, right? They would have those ministers to come in and choose a specific slave that have the most influence on the plantation and flip him into a pastor. And then they would have him to preach about slavery, how it's okay, how we should solely focus on Jesus and God and preach the the Bible to us. And then he gets so powerful that he would not only preach on the plantation that he is residing in, but they would also low key take him on tour and go to other plantations and specifically bring him in when they have new slaves coming in fresh from Africa. So so that's gonna be one you have to bring me back on because I, I really want to. We gonna talk about spirituality <laughs> versus religion. Girl. But it's, it's, last question, last question. It's a huge difference. But last question, y'all. The the neighborhoods is the is there is there more crime in the in the white communities versus the black communities? Or is there crimes in both? Or, like, how do y'all feel about that? Because my stance is, like I said, I've lived in both. I've lived in Pleasant Grove. And right now I'm living two blocks away from uh, North Park Mall, which is a nice 
area. Mm. But from my objective, the media plays a lot into this mm. because I grew up in South Dallas and it was all about unity, connections, relationships. I'm still friends with people that I I met in, in elementary school. Not saying that there's no crimes what, whatsoever, but I believe when it's black on black crime versus white on white crime, they just expand that shit and make it just like this. Just put your bars up, do this, do that. It's a but yet you have these young white males that shooting down people in churches, on universities, and also movie theaters. So how y'all feel about that? Because I know my stance. I feel like I feel like it's crime everywhere because I've lived everywhere. I've resided yeah, everywhere. I mean, it, it's definitely crime everywhere. And to be honest, like I said, you know, we talked earlier, uh, I think kind of like during the break, uh, statistic-wise, if you go to the numbers and you look at how the, the media has always, and and we talked about, you talked about something when you talked about Mike Brown lying there four hours. But the crazy thing is that is standard procedure. For any type of shooting, mm. the body will stay there for for several hours. They don't move their body for several hours because they have to collect all the evidence from there. They gotta look at everything, and it's not just police shootings. It's any it's any type of body being found that will sit there for the longest because they don't want to disturb anything in case anything shows up. Even on the body, you can have demarcations that may show up uh, after time goes past. So. Here, because they want to know if it was a struggle, whatever. I mean, that's just standard procedure. Right. But the media focused on that mm-hmm. to enrage. Let me let me tell you this. There is, uh, and I'm gonna give I, I'm gonna give your listeners some some uh, some homework. It's called REX eighty four, Rex eighty four. Just go look it up, and you'll understand a whole lot better about what's been going on in society. And why they have been trying to spark, quote unquote, a civil war within America on the racial side. And so we'll just leave it at that. But to answer this question, statistically, if you go look at the numbers, there are more crimes. If you compile them, there are more crimes done in the white in white society than there is in black society. Okay, we're going to pause and come right back. Shout out to our sponsors. If you're looking for a mist to add to your daily routine, please check out XYTO Skincare Mist. It's great for energizing your skin. It's great on bites and blemishes and irritations. It also cleans your skin of germs and viruses. And most importantly, it hydrates your skin. Again, if you're looking for a mist to add to your daily routine, we highly suggest that you try out this mist. To purchase your mist, you go to shop xyto.com again at shop at xyto.com please tell them that bring more production podcast sent you we love the mist we've been trying it out for a few days now and it's amazing again if you're looking for a mist to just spray on your skin and go but also have great benefits make sure you check out xyto skincare mist again that's xyto skincare mist and tell them that the Bree Moore Productions podcast sent you. Peace. 
Okay, we're back with Michael Styles and Chastity and Chast and Michael Styles left off where he said if you com compile the data, there yeah, is more if crime. You compile the data, it's more crime actually done in white society in European society. The car case. And and, and and but here here's here's the thing. I'm gonna tell you what it is, is you have what's called blue collar and you have what's called white collar crime. White collar crime is just a slap on the wrist. Think about Bernie Madoff. So how many how the effect that Bernie Madoff had? Is it is it worse than the dope dealer or the uh the dope dealer? Is it worse than the, the guy the guy that did the drive-by shooting? Same with these like college scandals. Well, and, and, Okay, these college scandals be going around for the longest. Oh, yeah, that's we watch that was out. Matter of fact, let's really look at it. How many, how many, how many young blacks have been bought on the slave block through the alumni money? Hmm. Because you can't pay for my mama's house. Hmm. You can't pay for my mama's car. Let's let's build. I mean, let's just really put it out there for mm -hmm. what it is. That's a crime in itself, but no one says anything. It's not the first time that they've had the testing scandals. It's not. But it does a... What do you mean by testing? Scandals? Yeah. The SAT <laughs> Man, they've been, they've been sitting up here doing, paying money to get them, get them folks tested. Listen, let me tell you something. Um, they have been paying tutors and people to take tests. Matter of fact, Many of our brightest students have been those who have taken tests. For a white student, make money off of it. Yeah, it's a bunch of us that have made money off of it. Have built, have built. I, I'm, I'm so serious on this, but it's, it's not a popular thing to talk about. Those that got busted, it was for a reason. Let me tell you something. That's I, how I feel too. I, I want people to understand this. When there is a changing of the guard and you don't want to move, I'm going to push you out. You can only hold certain certain, certain levels in society, certain uh, platforms in society for only so long. And then when you start getting, y'all don't think the root, man, listen, just like in the streets, we know it. Dope boy, you doing good. You low key. You done made millions of dollars, but you ain't never flashy. And the police don't touch you. But the ones who get flashy and feel like you more than everybody, what they gonna do? Hmm. Think about American Gangster. You know how Frank Lucas got caught? The damn Wham. fur uh, coat. Thank you. Thank you. Up until that, he never was flashy. He looked, man, if you look at Frank Lewis, man, Frank Lewis looked like the insurance man coming through town. Yeah. Ordinary country. Mm, 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 mm. And then the roles changed because now when you start sitting there, you think you higher than the one who established it. No, I'm gonna sit you down. But that's one of the um the 48 laws of power. Never ever um what is it? Never ever uh outwork or outshine your ma the master. That's the that's one of the 48 laws of the ones but, that taught you you're not supposed to outshine them. But I'm 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 a, I'm a, I, I've always read that and I always def I always uh book that. I'm gonna tell you why. Because one simple scripture, 
when Jesus sat there and told his disciples, you're going to do as great as I am and even greater. And that's how it's supposed to be. Well, guess what? If he said I can do greater, then how can, and I've, I've heard, I've even heard of pastors tell preachers up under them, oh, you, you're not going to be greater than me or you can't be greater than me. And I'm like, what? Or they, or they will sit up here and try to hold them back. It's not just there, but it's in, in many other, in many other aspects. I just speak from that because that's one of the things I have experience in. But I mean, that's many other aspects. It's even in, uh, if you look at, the, uh, let's talk about doing hair. If you look at the hair world, if oh, you start yeah. rising to a certain level and you you were maybe mentored or tutored by somebody, even in photography, I've heard of photographers who will sit up here and not mentor mm-hmm. other photographers because be you're my competition. We was just talking about that. Was that? And, and, and I mean, <laughs> and even even watch this, Bree. I look up to her for what she does, right? Now, I produce shows. I've, I've gotten off into it. I've been in the fashion for, for a minute. Matter of fact, uh, it's an honor to be on her radio show because she was on my radio show at one time. You so. was my first interview. <laughs> so that's, that's an honor. You know what I'm saying? But the thing is, is that um, I will go work her show. No hesitation. No, not a problem at all. And I believe if I was to ask her, she would come work mine. No hesitation. There's there is there a level of competition? Yes, yeah, healthy competition because she pushes me. When I see her do stuff, and it pushes me. It pushes me to be better. It pushes me to be greater. But at the same time, I'm hoping that whatever I do is gonna push up. But see, we have this mindset that's so twisted in our society, and I'm not just locking this down to black, this is in our society that I have to uh, I mean look man, uh, whether people want to realize it or not, man, Nip Nip died behind this mindset that if I can't be you then I will take you out I just saw a video of the guy actually like hugging him at a community right. event. But, but, but you know, te- technically, you know, the boy that went, I mean, I know this is a story that probably got buried, but y'all can go check it out. And this is a very true story. Um, he literally went to singing uh, once he got behind the bars and he made a statement that he was promised $75,000 by United States government if he shot Nipsey. So that's what he's singing now. Of course, I mean, I might be able to believe it because how would you loyal it up with Chris Darden and you not making that type of money? How did you get this cat? You went to Las Vegas and came back with Chris Darden. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a whole totally mm-hmm. different situation right there. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, I mean, the days. yeah, yeah, that, that, that could go on. You, you know, you could do a whole series on that. Uh, but I mean, if you, like I say, you look at things statistically, it's more going on in there, in theirs, but it's not promoted by media. Mm-mm. It's not promoted by the media because you want, uh, let's look at Chicago. Chicago flipped the script on when they did that protest up there behind that boy being shot. 
they thought Chicago was going to be the powder keg and push everything over because they were prepared to put every, they were prepared to institute martial law across America. Yes, Trump called for it. But the people of Chicago surprised everybody because they didn't boil over. They left everything peaceful. Yeah, They did not give them the opportunity to do it. There are certain cities in America and certain states that are considered to be hostile toward the United States. We live in one. We live in one. Uh, people pay attention, man. When y'all see stuff like uh, Jade Helm, thir- uh, Jade Helm thirteen, that was going on. Pay attention to this stuff. Look this stuff up, man. Realize what's going on with your government, and realize that some of the pictures that are being painted, it's a bigger scene than what we think. I understand we always look at everything in black and white, but I'm gonna tell you something. At the end of the day, there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. My brother-in-law right now, he's. Um, um, he, uh, I, I'll tag you on on my page, but let's let's say it like this: uh, he he seemed to be a threat to the election in 2020. So now they have uh, went and procured him and says, "We want you to work for our camp, and we'll finance you when you get ready to run for the next one when he can't run no more." And that's the thing that I feel about black businesses <laughs> as well, like. The the Virgils um of our fashion world. Virgil had his own he have his own off white um clothing line. And as soon as they seen him, not only did he have the the white kids buying they, buying his shit, but also the hood. As soon as they seen as much power that he gained, oh you come over here and you work for us. And I would have said no. That's that would have been me. Like I would have said no because I don't believe I feel like now in this day and age, we can't really afford and we can and a lot I know a lot of people is gonna disagree with me, but I feel like we can't really afford to neglect what we have built because what are we gonna give the next generation? We can't he can't give the next generation Louie? Kenny? The next generation when it comes to black elite, sure, but Anything than that, I don't think so. But until I sit down and have a talk with Virgil, I don't know what his plans may be because guess what? Yeah, hold on, hold on. Guess what? This is what I want you to do is go look look up a movie called A Spook on the Other Side of the Door. Spook, I mean, excuse me, Spook Sitting by the Door. Watch this movie, Bree. And when you watch it, it'll make a light bulb go off because many of us have sat in this place to where... You think I done sold you out, but I went and learned everything I can just to bring it back and teach it the best way I can. And that's the reason why I didn't really speak on um, because now he's trending because uh, most of most well all of his staff, not most of it, but all of his staff is white people. And a lot of, you know, Bala Alert, they um, made a post about it. It's a lot of other he, black he platforms. Hold on. Let's let go back. You say his staff. His staff. Meaning the staff that now works under him. They are all white. Oh, okay. They are white people. And a lot of a lot of people was feeling some type of way. And I was just Why? like. Why? When it's the other way around, normally we working up under them. Right. And now we got somebody in place where they actually have to work under him. Right. And that's the reason why I didn't really like. I looked at the post. I was like, okay. 
But I see a different perspective too, because as a business owner now, I have said a few things and <laughs> trying to get a little few things rolling, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> I just feel like another thing that I want to bring up was somebody made the comment that, uh, and this is where my biased opinion comes in at, because that's South Dallas is where I'm from. It was where I was raised. One of the comments that stood out to me on that post was that uh, she said that she she dodged South Dallas as, as much as she can because it's drug infested. And I was like, what? Okay. And as somebody that know how to debate without insulting someone, I was just like, but don't you not understand that drugs are pretty much everywhere, though? Like I come from, like I said, I have lived in different communities. I was introduced to Coke and pills at Den Ryan High School, which is a predominantly white high school. And I'm not lying. Oh, yeah. When I transferred to Lincoln, the only thing that we was, which is Lincoln is in South Dallas, by the way. I finished my high school career in Lincoln. I was only at Den Ryan for a year. But while I was there, I was exposed to herpes for the first time. Mm -hmm. This girl in the school, she had herpes so bad on her lip that they had to send us paperwork home and let our parents know this is what's going on at the school. This was at Den Ryan. I was also exposed to people doing drugs in class, popping pills in the hallway. I be standing and sitting right next to these people while they doing these drugs. I'm not lying. And it blew my mind. I never tell my mama this, but I was just like, wow. And then when we went, when I transferred to Lincoln, it was definitely a cultural shock, believe it or not. Cause I, I wasn't, I wasn't in South Dallas for about three years, not not really socializing. I still had my friends from elementary school, but I would only go to their house on the weekends. I wasn't socializing in the academic area, you know. So it was a culture shock because I'm like, I'm looking for these cliques. I'm looking for the jocks to be with the jocks, the cheerleaders to be with the cheerleaders. But we all sat together at lunch. It wasn't separated. And... It wasn't no drugs or anything like that on campus or nothing like that. And it's funny that when I walk into Lincoln, I'm walking through a metal detector. But when I walk into uh, Den Ryan, there's no metal detectors. There's no hella security drugs. guards, but there's hella drugs. <laughs> hella drugs. So I don't like that whole stance that people make like, oh, South Dallas is just drug infested. There's drugs everywhere. There's drugs, bruh. Everywhere. There's drugs literally everywhere. You take your kids to a predominantly white school, I guarantee you they're going to be exposed to, to some hard drugs. Period. Heck, you go, you go to some of those schools, they got straight up prostitution rings in the school. What are you talking about? I ain't know about the prostitution rings. I just know about the drugs, the heavy drugs. I've never Man, seen that ever in my life. Ever. Until I went to Den Ryan. Listen, I mean, you're, you're going to see everything there. In high school. And you may not, but, but the thing is, you don't see it like we will see prostitution rings in the hood. But you got young, you got young white cats who straight up pimps. Right there in the night, right there at their school. Some of the popular jobs. Matter of fact, it might be the nerd. Because he, guess what? 
He sitting up here knowing how to set up the service through a computer. They, 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 they talk about real talk. Real talk. Real, I mean, it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's there, but once again, it's not popularized. It's not like put out there. So it's crazy, man. Like it's crazy. I feel like. Oh man, like people got it's yeah, a lot of ignorance. Chastity was saying that McKinney it goes down. <laughs> so, man, yeah, it goes down. <laughs> Listen, when I tell y'all, like then Ryan, like that that was beyond me. It, it was beyond me, like to see and witness that type of activity. It was like wow, like people are really out here doing this and doing that, but there wasn't. I can't remember no security officers. I can't remember no metal detectors. I can't remember none of that. Lincoln had metal detectors in the back and the front of the school. We had to leave school walking out of a metal detector and walk in through a metal detector. And this is high school. This is high school. You know that's the middle schools as well? It's awful. Only in the hoods, though. Let's go one step step further. in predominantly African-American neighborhoods where there are elementaries. When I was a kid, you were taught to walk to the right side of the yellow line with your hands behind your back, single file, and not saying a word unless spoken to. The next time I witnessed that was, in prison. was when I went to county jail. Was in prison. Pipeline to um, prison. That's what they call it. You don't think these behaviors are taught that way for a reason? See, we get prison, but over here they train just to go to rehab. Because you go see, Billy got caught with some drugs in his locker, man. Uh, we, the counselor has already talked to him, and we're going to set him up with some classes that'll help him deter him early on. Jamal got caught with some drugs. Make it, make it and, weed uh, at this point. He, <laughs> he got, got caught with some. He weed. got caught. <laughs> Listen, he got caught with with some weed with a blunt. And we not already called the police. You can pick him up down there at TYC. Uh, you're going to have to pay a $500 fine for him having drugs on. We're going to need you to take classes. He's going to be expelled for the rest of the year. And as a fine. Yeah. But this is that's what I said in the first episode. When we do the crime, we get excessive time. Yep. That's just what it is. It's excessive. Everything is so fucking excessive. Let's just say... There was there was never no um no um no uh metal detectors at Lincoln High School until like a fight went out and probably like five students, ten students got into a fight five on five. Then after that they was like you know what let's bring in the metal detectors. But something goes down at then Ryan, and it's like oh you know here's the counselors, mm-hmm. we got counselors on standby if anybody want to talk. We have therapists on standby. We are also notifying your parents so you can go home early. And there's no metal detectors. There's no security officers. There, there's nothing excessive. It's the same shit when it comes to this whole donut shop. It's excessive in my eyes. It's just excessive. It's just it's just extreme. Why we got to go to the extreme in these neighborhoods? So what's the solution? That, that's, that's what I was going to come to. So we didn't talk about all the problems because they all centralized in the same area. Mm-hmm. So the, what is the, and we, we said it basically toward the beginning, we kind of leaned toward it. Um, 
and I'm, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see what y'all say before I just kind of chime in on it. What is the solution? The like Chastity said, we have to we have to hold ourselves accountable too, and we cannot look at n- neglect that. And I'm not I'm not neglecting that. I feel like when it comes to us um, holding ourselves a- accountable. It comes with education. It, it comes with educating ourselves about our history, about self-love, about our ancestors, about the true knowledge of who we are as a people, about just giving ourselves access to resources that we don't have. That's the solution. That And really stimulating the minds of our children because they up next. And I would hate for the next generation to be where we are now. Now, when it comes to the whole media and stuff like that, that's when we come in. And like I said before, we create our own platforms. We tell our own news. So you can be like like the whole Muslim com- community. They got their own newspaper. You know, the you know, the white lady on Fox News went li- she went viral because she she was laughing at the death of Nipsey Hussle. Well, she was laughing while she was uh re- she was laughing while she was reporting the 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 death of Nipsey Hussle. I don't think she was laughing at the fact that he was dead. She was laughing while she was reporting that he passed away, right? But you also have the the Muslim newspaper that's giving this king everything that he deserved, shining light on everything that he deserved. We need to read more outlets like that. We need to give more shine to platforms like that that hold us where we need to be to inspire and to motivate. That's the thing. That That is the solution. I don't have a TV in my house. At this point, the news that I receive is the news that I choose to follow. And that's real talk. I choose my content. I create my own content. I, I go into these after school programs and I not only teach these girls about the fashion industry and giving them access to the fashion industry through my platform, but I'm also teaching them about self-love and confidence and being who you are and being okay with that and knowing your ancestors and knowing the history, the true history behind us. That is the solution. We got to put in the work, period. We got to put on, we got to put in the work on both sides. That's how I feel. I mean, you said the key thing, education. Uh, Because of lack of education, you have no sense of who you are. You have no sense of how great you can be. And until we have those who have the knowledge that science say, you know what, I'm willing to pour off into you. I'm willing to invest in you. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the nation does great things, but the nation also has stigma behind it. Exactly. Uh, it's the religion. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 at the end of the day, it <laughs> it's is a religion. a religion. It's a religion. I mean, you know, uh, teach me. My thing is, when you teach me who I am, by teaching me who I am, you actually teach me how to have a relationship with my creator. Because if it is said that I am created in the creator's image, then that means that I am a creator myself. Um, Nipsey, since we brought him up again, Nipsey was probably one of the finest examples of somebody who realized I am a creator because he created everything around him. It's called vertical integration. It's what he did. He created his name. His name shows, what does it say? God rises. Hermes meant God rises. I mean, 
if, if we if we could only wake up, if we could only wake up for real and realize how great we are. We we it's it's a poem that's out it's a poem that's out there or a story out there that talks about a little white boy and his mom they pretended no black people existed and the comb was missing his shoes wouldn't stay on he couldn't tie his shoes he couldn't iron he couldn't sweep up they couldn't cut the, they couldn't cut the air conditioning on wasn't no refrigerator to put nothing in wasn't no iron board to iron nothing on they didn't have a comb to comb their hair they couldn't cross the street because there was no street light they couldn't even start the car dad had to walk home he had to walk down eight i think like 80 flights of stairs almost i might be exaggerating on how many flights but he had to walk down all these stories because there was no elevator and and there was no bus. He had to walk home some miles. So when he got there, they sitting in the dark because guess what? There was no filament for the light. Once you grasp who you really are, then you grasp the greatness that you can walk in. We're too busy speaking to the I'm going to say it like we're, we're too busy speaking to the ratchetness in us and we miss the greatness that's in us and, and it's so crazy because guess what Louis Vuitton them ain't dropped the ball on it you know how I know they did a show that displayed afros on the runway even on the white models uh, uh, Mark Jacobs ain't dropped the ball on it he did a whole show that had number four locks I hear it Tommy Hilfiger as well, recently with uh, Zendaya. They haven't dropped the ball. All black models. They acquire who we are. The appreciation. And what's so crazy about it is um, I expect nothing less from our throwaway children. If you go study, you'll understand what I say about that. I'm going to say stuff just to make you go dig and look. Okay, you got me on the Hey, so I mean, you can't expect anything else. I mean, some people might not like the way I said it, but it is what it is, man. Everything started within the cradle of Africa. Uh, when you come, when you came to the Americas, uh, we were already here. We we had been here for forty thousand years. Uh, the the United Nations recognized a group called Washitao Indians, the Washitao Moors, M-U-U-R-S, as being the ascendants. Matter of fact, King Philip II of Spain gave all the land back to them. The only thing that was sold by Napoleon was the Port of Orleans, which is New Orleans, and the rest of the country, with the rest of that purchase was stolen. All that belonged to them. It was given back to them by the United States. See, we don't even understand We've been living on our own land for the longest, but you ain't been, you, you're not going to be told that through information. We have rights to it. All right, y'all. <laughs> that is a conclusion of this episode. We're going to go out with a bang. And that was definitely a bang. So make sure you do your research. If you have any questions, what? <laughs> This is has this has been a whole word. <laughs> a whole word. Michael, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna speak about religion. We're gonna speak about religion and uh and uh spirituality, uh the difference between the two. Uh, def uh he's definitely gonna be back. 
because he he ho- he holds a lot of knowledge okay. within. But um, I want to thank every everybody for listening. Shout out to everybody that commented on the th- uh, the original donut post. I really appreciate this conversation a lot. Even if you disagree with me, um, I'm not offended by what some of you guys said. It doesn't bother me none. Actually inspired me to draw in a, a podcast episode that I'm going to get paid for. So, <laughs> all right. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Bremore Production Podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace.